this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. Is it possible that our idea of God is exactly what keeps us from Him? Could we be spending our lives trying to have a relationship with a God based on all of the wrong principles? Could we be deceiving ourselves and missing who He really even is? Have you ever heard that phrase, you are what you wear? You know, you haven't heard it really. It used to be a big saying that people would say you are what you wear. You know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're going out on a big night on the town, so you get all dressed up in your best, get your hair all done, you wear your nicest clothes, you know, you, you feel like a million bucks sometimes when you look like a million bucks. You know, but then there's also days where you're just... Man, you, you just got to work around the house or you're feeling like just kind of uh, being lazy so you wear your sweats or your shorts and your hair's messed up, didn't take a shower, you know, and you, you just don't feel that same way. You kind of are what you wear. In a very real sense, you are what you wear. Let me, let me prove it to you another way. I'm going to show you some pictures and you tell me what these people are. Let's see here. This person right here is a... A welder, very good, because you can tell because of what he's wearing and what he's doing. Uh, this person is a football player. Good job. Okay, this one is a yeah, that's my friend Mark Rodriguez right there uh, on his motorcycle. Yeah, these are astronauts. That's Bob and Doug, the first ones to fly to the space station on the SpaceX uh, Dragon rocket. Okay, and then this is a. Yeah, NASCAR driver, you can tell by what he's wearing, okay? And these are actors, people. It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> yeah, they're stormtroopers, which means they can't shoot straight, right? They always miss everything. Uh, so, yeah, you kind of are what you wear so much. And what we're told in Scripture, what Paul has been explaining to us in this long, difficult passage in Romans chapters 1, 2, and the first part of chapter 3, he spends 60 verses talking about the darkness that we wear. We're wearing darkness in our lives, right? That, that we're wrapped up in it. That darkness, because we are born sinners, darkness defines our lives. It defines our existence. It dictates our actions and the way we think and the way we talk, our attitudes and everything. We wear darkness. We are consumed by darkness. And we're under God's judgment as a result of it. Because God is light. And we are in the darkness. And God will eliminate all darkness. And the worst thing about it is, Paul concludes his long 60 verse plus argument with this statement in Romans 3.20. He says, no one can ever be made right by God. No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. In other words, you're born in darkness, you live in darkness, and no matter how hard you try, 
There's absolutely nothing you can do about it. You're stuck in darkness. In other words, this is the first blank on your page. Darkness is a problem that you could never solve. Right? Darkness is a problem, and it's all around you. Like I said earlier, our existence is defined by this unsolvable darkness. We see it all the time in our loneliness. We feel it in the hurt. We see it in our broken relationships, our broken marriages, our broken friendships. We see it in addictions. We see it when we are filled with anger and we can't get past it. Or when we are fearful, right? It's just all around us. We're wrapped up in it. We're clothed in darkness. And it's a problem that we can't solve. We have let God down. But who do you let down the most? You know who it is, yourself. You let down yourself, right? You disappoint yourself all the time. How can you expect to be right by others, let alone by God, when you can't even please yourself? When you let yourself down all the time. You are what you wear. And so you try, you try to do the best you can. You try to live right, do the right things, you know, be good as much as you possibly can. You know, go by the law. The law that God gave us tells us how to act, right? So you try to work it with God's law. You try to obey him in the law as much as you can possibly obey him. Problem is, the trying to be made right with God by obeying the law is according to Paul in Romans 3 right here it's a trap it's a trap you can never be made right with God by obeying the law trying to keep the law is like trying to climb out of the world's darkest hole on a never-ending ladder you just keep climbing and climbing and going and going you're climbing towards the light you know the light is up there it's far far up there you can see that point of light but the harder you work the darker it seems to get you keep climbing and climbing and it doesn't seem like you got anything but darkness all around you you work harder and you're and harder and your muscles begin to scream in pain your arms and your legs throb they wear out and have no strength left in them right you become drenched in sweat for the climbing and the climbing you can't catch your breath and at some point, you realize that you're never going to make it. The light doesn't get any closer. And you've been working it, working it, working it, and you realize you're never going to get there. That light is still far, far away. And the reason for that is because, next blank, is that God is just that much higher than us. You hear me? God is just that much higher than us. You and I could never climb to him. As hard as you might ever work, you'll never be able to get there. Our problem is we actually think we can. 
Our problem is that you and I are programmed to think that God is just a little above us. He's just right there. He's just barely out of our reach. And, and, and maybe if I work it really hard, maybe if I put in the right effort, say the right prayers, give the right amount of money, do the right things, maybe I can just reach out and grasp him. But this is the problem that we have. This is the original sin problem. We think God is just barely above us, and so we think maybe we could rise up and maybe we could become God ourselves. And this is the idea that plunged us into darkness in the first place. Because we were designed by God to be light bearers. We were designed to reflect and refract his light into the world around us. But we were plunged into darkness far, far, far from God and swamped in our darkness. And listen to me, listen. The Christian life will never make much sense to you until you get this until you understand that God is that much higher than us. Because see, a slightly higher God is one that you can reach out and grasp. It's one that you can work it to get to, that you can be just good enough to maybe just reach out and touch him. A slightly higher than us God is a God that can be negotiated with bargained with maybe bribed paid off he can be managed and so if you have a vision of a slightly higher than you God then you'll always be trying to live up always trying to measure up always trying to do just a little more just a little better and you'll always be resenting him for it You'll always be holding it against him because you'll feel pinned into always having to fulfill your Christian, you know, responsibility, your Christian duty, right? Trying to fill some requirement to perform for God, right? You know how it is. You, you do this all the time. In a moment of weakness and bad judgment, you signed up to serve at the event, and then the day comes and you don't even want to go. So you begrudgingly show up because you said you would. And you do the thing, whatever it is. Could have stayed home and had cake. Right? Or, or, or you know you're supposed to love your neighbor. You do, right? You do love your neighbor. The problem is you just don't like him very much. Or you know you're expected to show up at church and be there every Sunday morning so you get out of bed and you drag your feet and you barely get here on time. Maybe you get here five minutes after the service has started because you just don't want to be part of the singing part where, you know, we're actually praising him. You want to just be here for the, you know, teaching part, get through your obligation and get on down to the restaurant for lunch. Or while you're here, you feel pressure. You feel like I'm supposed to, you know, pay a tithe to God, as if you can pay a tithe, as, as if that was even possible. But I'm supposed to pay a tithe to God, so I try to buy him off, right? I throw him a couple of bucks. I tip him. 
And I hope he's going to be okay with that. And all that just keeps your eyes on the wrong things. It keeps your eyes on the rungs of the endless ladder, thinking you can climb your way just a little higher, but all it's really doing is keeping you in the dark. That's what Paul's been talking about for over 60 verses at this point. He's been going on and on about how it's nothing but dark for us, nothing but dark for us. It's just darkness consumes us. And finally, after over 60 verses of talking about this paralyzing, fear-inducing, exhausting darkness, Paul turns this corner. And in our key verse today, Romans 3, 21, here's what Paul says. He says, but now, but now, after all this, but now God has shown us a way. He's shown us a way to get off the ladder and to be made right with him without climbing, 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 keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God, not by climbing and climbing, but by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For 60 plus verses, it's been all darkness, darkness, darkness. But finally, at this point, Paul turns a corner and this distant light begins to shine brightly through the next five chapters. Suddenly, this light that was way off in the distance becomes a bright, shining floodlight flooding in and lighting up everything. This outrageous promise of light was made by God through Moses and the prophets, especially Isaiah, who wrote a lot about it. Like in Isaiah 9, God speaks through Isaiah and says, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. In Isaiah 49, God the Father is speaking to his son, the Messiah, and he says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. In Isaiah 60, he says, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Later in Isaiah 60, he says, No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night. For the Lord your God will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. This is what this means. It means that it doesn't matter if you are walking in the brightest, sunniest day or in the deepest, darkest, scary night, that his light will never go out. 
and he will always shine for you and through you. That his light will always light your way and light you up, right? He goes on and he says, your uh, sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever because I will plant them there with my own hands. Yeah, God promises that we will walk no longer in darkness, but we will walk in his light when the Messiah, when Jesus comes and deals with the darkness once and for all. The gospel writers each quote some of these own passages right here from Isaiah in their own narratives of the story of Jesus, especially John. John talks a lot about the light piercing the darkness and coming into the world for everyone to see. And in John 8, 12, Jesus speaks to the people and he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. What he's saying is, this was never about climbing a ladder. This was never about performing and being good enough. What he's saying, it was never about you working your way there. You can't be righteous enough. Remember we talked about last week, righteousness is God's, not ours. You can never put it on yourself. So what happens is instead of you earning it, God decides to just do something about it. Let me show you what he says. Look back at our key verse in Romans 3, 21. I love the New Living Translation. It's really one of my favorite translations because it's simple, basic, easy reading, kind of fifth grade English level. Thank you for the remedial Bible. <laughs> That's what I need. So I like it. And it says this. This is the way it translates it. It says, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Now, that's a good translation. I like that. That is the spirit of what this original text is saying, but it's not really exactly the way that it says it. The way it says it is a little bit more faithfully translated, I think, in the English Standard Version translation, the ESV. Here's what it says. It says now, same passage, it says now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. What this is saying here is that God has shown us how to be right with him apart from the law. And the way to be right with him apart from the law is not by you climbing the righteousness ladder. It's not by you earning righteousness on your own. It is not your righteousness at all to begin with. It's the righteousness of God manifested apart from the law. In other words, in other words, in other words, here you are, darkness. Here you are, consumed with it. Here you are, wrapped up in it. God looks to you in the darkness, and he could punish you. He could destroy you. He could give you exactly what you deserve. And instead, 
No matter where you are trying to climb that ladder, no matter where you are, he comes right to you and he gives you his own righteousness. He wraps you up in it. He just clothes you in it. He gives his own righteousness to you. You didn't earn that. You could never discern that. What, what he does is, next blank on your page, God reclothes us in Christ. He gives you Jesus so that now, because of your new wardrobe, when God looks at you, he no longer sees your darkness. He no longer sees your sin. I don't care how bad you ever were. I don't care what you ever did. I don't care how many people you ever hurt. If you're in Christ, he only sees the righteousness of Jesus when he looks at you. That's all he sees. And he loves you in Christ's righteousness. He brings it right to you. So, that's why Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says this, with the Lord's authority, he says, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are helplessly, hopelessly confused. Stop living in the darkness. Why you keep going back to that? You've been wrapped in light, clothed in light, given the righteousness of God. You now are one with him. You spent your life being separated from him. You did everything you could to run away from him, to be a traitorous criminal against him. But now he's wrapped you in righteousness and you've been united with God through Christ. You should have been a punished criminal but now you're united with the king in Christ why do you keep going back to the darkness why do you keep lapping up what the world has to offer why do you keep going back to the alcohol why do you keep going back to the anger why do you keep going back to the bad habits why you keep lapping up the media content of today? Why do you keep going back to it as if it could make you right? It only makes you dark. Don't live like the Gentiles live. They're hopeless. They're confused. What does James say about the confused person, the person who's blown to and fro by the winds? What does he say about that person? He says he's unstable in all his ways, so he should expect to receive what from God? Nothing. Nothing. Don't live that way. Don't keep going back and forth. Don't be confused. Their minds, verse 18, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life that God gives because they've closed their minds and they've hardened their hearts against him. Does that sound familiar? Do you look around the world today and see hard hearts against God? Do you look around our nation established on the principles of liberty that God gives and find our hearts now hard towards him? They've closed their minds, hardened their hearts. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. 
Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Don't let it keep you down. Don't let it keep you in the darkness. Don't let it keep you confused and scared and in pain. Don't let it hold on to you. Throw it off. When you're in Christ, you have the power and the authority to throw off all of that darkness because you are an overcoming, victorious Christian when you're in Christ. You get to live the abundant life that God has designed for you to live. So throw off the defeat and put on victory. Throw off your old nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Think on things above not the things of this world. Fix your eyes on Christ, not on the rungs of the ladders around you. Put on your new nature created by God to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He gives you a new nature. He gives you a new path to walk, and it's not a climb, climb, climb. It's a walking with God in the cool of the day. That's what he desires for you. You can't get there on your own because, next blank on your page, I was a problem only he could solve. I couldn't solve it myself. Nothing I could do about it. I was a problem only he could solve. And he does exactly that because your sin does deserve punishment. It does deserve judgment. You should go to hell. But God sent Jesus to pay for your sins himself. Jesus died in your place and rose again to give you life, abundant life in him. And we take that so for granted, don't we? Don't we? We take it so for granted because we live in America. It's easy to be a Christian. You can go to church whenever you feel like it. You can carry your Bible around. You can preach on the street corner if you want to. So easy to take for granted. But we, we should tremble at this. We should be broken by this. That the God of the universe who eliminates darkness would give his own light, his own righteousness to us, would clothe us so that he no longer sees our darkness, but he only sees the light of Christ when looking with us. This should break us. It should turn us upside down. We should not know what to do, but fall to our knees and thank him because he's that much higher than us and we're just endless ladder climbers. Yet he rescues us by wrapping us up in his righteousness. Back to Isaiah. He says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. God is above us. He says, could you build me a temple as good as that? Could you build me such a resting place? Boy, we humans are proud of the architectural designs and accomplishments that we achieve, aren't we? We always have been. 
all the way back to that tower where we all gathered together to try to be unified in Babylon. God says, that's nothing. Now we've got giant, giant skyscrapers, right, in beautiful cities. We've even got, we've even got a building, a little building floating around in orbit at 144,000 miles per hour. We're pretty proud of our architectural achievements. And God's like, yeah, but for me, the earth is nothing but a footstool. You can't even come close. Who even are you? He says, God says this, my hands have made both heaven and earth. They and everything in them are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then he makes this amazing statement about us. He's showing us who he is. He's showing us what he's done. He's revealing himself to us. This is who I am. The earth is my footstool. And then he says this. He says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts and tremble at my word. I will bless those. Another translation says, I will turn to those. God gives his attention. He gives his affection. He gives his blessings to those who are humble and contrite. Man, ladder climbing makes you proud. Look how high I've climbed. Look what I've attained. Look what I've reached. And American Christianity makes you proud. Not proud in the same way. It just makes you take everything for granted. It makes you forget who he really is and who we really are. That heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. When we realize who we are and who he is, it should humble us. It should break us. And we should never resent a God who's above us. But we should look at the fact that he reached down to us. He came right to where we are and he wrapped us in his own righteousness. And we should say, what can I do in response? The humble and contrite, trembling at his word, doesn't say, oh man, I guess they want me to serve at Vacation Bible School. It says, how can I ever pay back what you've given? How could I ever live in a manner worthy of the calling on my life? God blesses those who are humble and contrite, who tremble, taking his word seriously knowing who we really are before a holy high God look you are what you wear do not take your new light glowing wardrobe for granted let it break you let it humble you because that's when you'll see him that's when you'll experience his Life, his presence, his power. As long as you're beating your chest and making demands, you'll never get it. But I'm so proud of our 37 adult volunteers 
who have said, I'll give my week away for vacation Bible school. I will serve children in the name of Jesus. It's the least I can do. I'm so proud of the dozens of you who are constantly serving at Tower Road all summer long, outside in the heat, making sure that hungry kids are getting fed, saying, what can I, what can I do? God's done so much for me. How can I give back just a little bit? I'm so happy when I see that humble and contrite heart trembling and knowing I can't earn it. I just want to reflect it. I just want him to be seen. So my challenge to you is the last blank. Walk in the light walk in the light live in a manner worthy recognize who he is catch a glimpse of him and be broken by it live in his righteousness and walk it out day by day make a difference in the world around you let him change you and let him change everything around you 